This week on Trek Mary Kill. Ronin, candle, orgasms. Next. It haunts her in her sleep, Beverly. A terrifying presence who wants her soul. And will kill anyone who stands in his way. Be together. Always. Now, will his seductive power take possession of Dr. Crusher? I'm leaving Starfleet. Or can she escape his deadly clutches? Come on, Beverly, we've got to get out of here. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation. Trek, Mary, kill. Hi, I'm Brian. I'm Kristen. Welcome to Trek, Mary, Kill, a Star Trek podcast where we examine the shows that may or may not have shaped our impressionable young minds. Next week is Valentine's Day, so this week we thought we'd get everybody in the mood by talking about an episode from Star Trek The Next Generation's seventh season, and it did do something to my impressionable young mind. It's Sub Rosa, the ghost candle <laughs> sex episode. Teleplay by Brandon Braga, story by Jerry Taylor. Directed by Jonathan Frakes. And get you in the mood for what? We're not sure. (laughs) Remains to be seen. Now, when I came to you uh, with this uh, (laughs) notion of doing the show, Trek, Mary Kill, Uh your one condition (laughs) was that we discussed this episode. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like... Yeah, I remember that very clearly. Like, we must do the ghost fucking episode, I think is what I <laughs> lovingly refer to it as. But the this still fits in perfectly because we're right on the, the tip. Now I should just speak only in sexy terms. We're on the tip of Star Trek's Star Trek Picard season three uh, debuting mm-hmm. and Dr. Crusher is a right on the right on the razor's edge there, right on the edge. Yep, that's right. We're creeping up the thigh of the season three premiere of Star Trek, (laughs) (laughs) quivering in anticipation. And (laughs) Dr. Crusher is a pivotal character in the season. We're not entirely sure what what her part's going to be, but she's a main character. So it's it's been fun to go back and look at the the dearth of of crusher episodes if we're being honest <laughs> you know you're doing mm-hmm. 170 some on episodes with seven main characters and the senior staff and and still we have you know she's fucking a ghost <laughs> yeah and one of them and uh but at the same time i'm very surprised by how entertaining i found the episode to be yeah synopsis here for anyone who doesn't mm-hmm. know what the hell we're talking about uh the ghost candle episode so dr crusher returns to the colony where her grandmother has just recently passed away. This colony, it, it must be noted, <laughs> that the, the thrust of the colonization was, what if we transplanted Scotland and made an entire planet out of Scotland? That was literally the idea for these colonists, and that's what they did. It's one of... But can control the weather completely. Yes. It's one of their early terraforming missions is what is spoken. So basically she goes back to her grandmother's home in the Scottish islands, highlands and, and, um, and discovers very soon after that her grandmother, she reads her grandmother's journals had a torrid romance with a 30 year old Mm -hmm. man and her grandmother's in her hundreds. 
And, uh, and very quickly, this relationship transfers over to Dr. Crusher in a way she doesn't fully understand. It's almost like she's being haunted, possessed, touched by an entity, an unseen ghost. But could mm-hmm. it also be the mystery man she saw at her grandmother's funeral? No, it's a parasitic alien that's been haunting her, uh, the maternal line, the, the all the women mm-hmm. in her family going back generations, going all the way back to Scotland on planet Earth. And, uh, and so she forms a romance and it's so intrusive and so intense that she resigns her commission in Starfleet. To live in the cottage to f*** the ghost. That's right. And eventually the Enterprise, which has been dealing he with He presents this... himself as a ghost. I think it's important. Yes. He, he, yeah. he never denies what he is. Ronan is his name. We didn't even mention his name. And it was basically, yeah. what if Fabio alive and classier? Fabio on the book cover. Mm-hmm. He's obviously a real person. So it's Star Trek leaning into gothic romance. The Enterprise has been investigating weird weather phenomena on the planet, which has somehow been caused by Ronan. And uh, in the course of their investigation, it collides with Dr. Crush's situation, and she's forced to kill this ghost that's been haunting all the women in her family for generations. And it breaks the spell, and she goes back to the Enterprise. But she had a good time. She had a great freaking time. Yes. Glossing over all the details that make this episode (laughs) astounding, completely wild. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um... It is buck wild <laughs> on like, there's no part of it that is not fucking weird. Right. Like <laughs> the Scottish Highlands at the, the Scottish Highlands situation, um, the town folk, the fact that they're like cosplaying as like Scottish peasants when they have no reason to do so. Yes. And there's a, the governor of the colony is an alien who's participating in this cosplay. <laughs> yeah. He does like, not I have visit an accent. Scotland ones. Yes. No, no, no accent. There no, are people they, who do have accents. Yes. They made the choice. We're like, well, we'll have the alien dude running the planet and he'll speak normally. Although he's kind of a feat. You know what I mean? Like he does have his own vibe of like, this guy is not effective. It's kind of a whim, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But then yeah. they do lean really into it of like someone, someone kept the Scottish accent very intensely. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. And he's a groundskeeper. He's, he is groundskeeper Willie. Yeah. <laughs> like undeniably, his name's Ned Quint. And he's very insistent mm-hmm. that Dr. Crusher destroyed that candle. You cannot have that candle. <laughs> Which, yeah. watch this yeah, as a child. I will not be held responsible for what happens. You've got to listen I to me. I can't do a Scottish accent. <laughs> it's okay, but it, you will not light that candle has stuck with me ever since I saw this episode as a child. This is the seventh season of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation episode and they are definitely without question out of gas story wise <laughs> and all that but you know it I seems have... like it's mid season mid of the last season let's just go for it yes and uh, okay so uh, last year there was a basically an avengers endgame style panel for all the star trek writers across all the eras uh, brought together at the guild and it, it was neat it was a really cool thing it was it was also sort of like a way of um all the writers sort of realizing they were part of a fellowship, which maybe they didn't know before. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of commiserating. And one of the things they talked about was the difference between the new shows and the old shows is the old shows. They have to do 26 episodes a year. So you run out, you run out of gas. You're now they're basically Uh spending almost the same amount of time 
breaking 10 or maybe they start in like it's it's fewer episodes but they're still kind of they they said the new writers they're spending almost the same amount of time as the old writers did so the old writers in like an eight or nine month span were breaking and writing 26 episodes and there's those staffs were not very big they're like six to eight Mm -mm. they were running out of gas this was definitely that 1994, January 31st, 1994. So what is this? The 29th anniversary of it now. But so, you know, I'm 13. And this, so I'm like, I'm having, I'm having the sexual awakening and all that stuff. And in this episode, we we've taught, we've said she's fucking a ghost, but what we're seeing is Gates McFadden on television. It's not network television. This could be airing at four o'clock on a Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. It depends on where you are in the country because it's indicated. And she's having an orgasm on screen multiple times. Yeah. I didn't count how many. Yeah. But, and it's and not several. I mean, it's not Meg Ryan in in When Harry Met Sally over the top. It's like, oh, it's yeah. pretty realistic. <laughs> yeah, it's fairly realistic. You know, the female orgasm is a conundrum unto itself, I guess, to a lot of people. And so I think that's what part of this episode is about. But if you wanted to know any more about that, you're not going to get any new information from this episode. Unfortunately. <laughs> about, about women like, or orgasms or all the above. <laughs> no. How does it happen? Well, you turn into a ghost and then you become one with the woman. And then she just enjoys moaning a lot. <laughs> it's uh, men being she like, quits her job to stay home and essentially masturbate oh yes <laughs> <laughs> she quit her fucking job y'all <laughs> to former head of starfleet medical <laughs> grandmother her grandma's cottage to then take up with her grand hundred year old grandmother's lover <laughs> It's not like she's going to like Tuscany or something. It's literally the no. Scottish Islands with no. with fog and everything, and it's yeah, it's men. Not being even like, the real Scottish yes. Highlands, the fake uh, Scottish Highlands. Have you ever been to Scotland? Maybe we'll start small here. No, I haven't. It's beautiful, I have and I haven't even seen that much of it, and it's beautiful. So. Um, credit to this episode for definitely making you feel like you're somewhere else, even though they're just on yes. a soundstage on, on Paramount. Mm-hmm. It was a big, it looks different from most of the episodes. And then Jonathan Frakes is actually yeah. one of the better directors for the show's run. And he did a nice job with it. So the thing is, is like, it's such a ridiculous concept. It's so weirdly not, it is an episode of Star Trek by virtue of the characters and all the stuff we'll talk about. But it's also not it, like it could have been on anything. And so it, it's weird because the memory of this episode is it's it's generally considered to be one of the worst or it's kind of a campy, over the top, ridiculous thing that people make fun of. Um, Brandon Braga at this Writers Guild event, he had said the concept behind that ep- that harebrained episode and everyone's like giving him the business, kind of laughing at him because they towards the end of it, they were all getting loopy, but having a good time. And they really just turned to him and like what the hell was everyone thinking when they wrote sub rosa <laughs> what was going on with that uh he says it was a harebrained episode but you also have to look at where it was in the season he's like i think it was later in the season we we are desperate at later in the season as it goes on he said he was a big fan of harry james turn of the screw and he wanted to do a big ghost gothic romance 
and give Crusher a good meaty story. And it just went off the rails. <laughs> That's what he said. Yeah, okay. I'll buy it. <laughs> yeah. Gothic romance, not not necessarily right in my wheelhouse of what that is, but it, it's a it's actually just a pretty straight straightforward thing. It's like just basically a, a haunted a haunted love affair that takes place with uh, you know a, a time period, right? Like a certain architecture yeah. and darkness and weather conditions. Yeah, um, like real gothic romance didn't have like you know women having orgasms though. No, from what I no. the ones that I've read. But at least this one does. Sub rosa uh, means in Latin under the rose, which was uh, roses were suspended from the ceiling during council meetings. And that was supposed to be like how you knew this is a meeting under confidence. So it's like under the rose in secret hidden. So that, that's what it was. I, I will say I don't know how secret this romance was. No, everyone knew. <laughs> yeah, everyone, everyone, everyone knew. And everyone thought it was weird. Yeah. <laughs> The ghost lover named Ronan was played by Duncan Peter Rager, and he has a very distinct look. And um, yes. and I I guess I forgot he was in Deep Space Nine. He plays a character, a recurring character in there, Minister Shakar. But he was a figure skater and a classically trained Shakespearean stage actor, and he's from Canada. And my goodness, mm-hmm. he and Gates McFadden both really went, let's go Shakespeare, let's go melodrama, let's just go for yeah because i really believe they were on they the did they really did yeah. yeah it's like a i mean i haven't read nor roberts by suit like they look like they should be on the cover of that one of those the episode gets very intense very quickly and very not nerdy star trek and very like what's going on here? <laughs> dr crusher's <laughs> horny right now <laughs> but, but uh she's so fucking horny oh my god yes uh, one thing that stood out this time that that was not just me giggling or bursting into laughter were certain lines of dialogue. And, but also like I went through a lot of emotions, like this is ridiculous. I can't believe this. What is happening? Wow. Dr. Crusher is horny. Wow. The rest of the enterprise crew are surprisingly prudish or like asexual. kind of. And yeah. then, but also, but also this, the, there was um, like a thing. I, or, and also it was well-directed. Like I, I couldn't believe, even when I was a kid watching it, like I did finish it. It doesn't seem like an episode I would necessarily be into as a 13 year old boy, but, I, but I watched the whole thing because it was engaging. It was well done. Uh, but also now this time uh, that Dr. Crusher was raised by a single mom, basically she, the implication is mm-hmm. her, her mom was raising her alone and then her mom died and her grandmother took over. I remember when we did remember me and we were kind of talking about Dr. Crusher's upbringing. I think you said like, she must have been very young when she had Wesley, right? Because she's not that much. She's like the same age. Well, as you. I mean, in in real life, yeah, like she would have had to be like um, twenty or something, or like twenty one, maybe I guess, when she had Wesley. Yeah, which is pretty young, I think, especially if you're in Star Trek and you live to be like what, like one hundred and thirty some odd years is like the lifespan in Star Trek now. Yeah, I think you're hitting your one twenties pretty easily too. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it just stood out to me. I, I mean, I was raised by a single Especially mother, for a doctor, because you, know, you have to go to medical school. Oh, yeah. And she's like the top, top of her field, you know, for, mm-hmm. for space doctors. But yeah, so I related, at least in terms of the single mothers. <laughs> it wasn't something I quite, I noticed before, and I noticed it this time. So it actually gave Dr. Crusher some backstory, something interesting. Um, that was interesting. Mm-hmm. It was a little off 
it was a little bit different. I wanted to mention that the last time I watched this episode, I was in a hotel bathtub and I just turned on the TV to like watch whatever. And it, this came on and it was so confounding to me that I think I like screamed like, hand me my phone. And I was like tweeting about it. And I think like you and like someone else answered me like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the way I'm like, this can't, like, she's not really fucking this ghost, is she? And you guys were like, yeah, she is. So that was just a really interesting way to discover this episode. The scene that's, that's burned into my mind of her having the orgasm is when she's sitting in the chair and, uh, <laughs> Basically, it's late in the episode, and Captain Picard's gone down to to meet this guy. Who is this guy who took my chief medical officer away from us, caused her to resign the commission? Mm-hmm. And he walks in, he knocks on the door, he gets no answer, and he decides, well, I'm just going to walk in. Although, you know, he's a starship captain. He's like, something's going on here. So he walks in, yeah. and he sees her, and the first shot is her, it's like three seconds, and she's really having a wave She's riding one of the waves <laughs> cuts back to him and he, he just is staring at her and he's like, uh, Beverly. And then she, yeah. and then it cuts back and she's finishing. I mean, I guess it's not too explicit, but also if you know what she's doing, she's really going. Yeah. <laughs> and she's upset. And you know what? Um, rightfully so. I'd probably be upset too. Right. You've walked yes. in on me and my ghost man. Yes. We're busy. <laughs> Let's some specifics for this episode. It originated from a pitch from a freelancer. And uh, this is Jerry Taylor, one of the few women EPs um, during the Rick Berman era of Star Trek, unfortunately. But she said the original spec script was there have been aliens throughout history on Earth who had possessed people. And they were responsible for much of what we had called supernatural paranormal events. That writer had the idea of a Scottish kind of origin for Beverly. Rick and Michael, Rick Berman and Michael Piller, were very distrustful of the story. They considered it a romance novel in space and felt the possibility for embarrassment was monumental. But I just knew it would work. It's a different it's a different kind of story for Star Trek to tell. It is a romance, but we do have women in our audience and women do traditionally respond to romantic stories. That's from a book, Captain's Logs, The Unorth- Unauthorized Complete Trek Voyages. Well, the possibility for embarrassment, I think they hit it. <laughs> I oh, think yeah. they hit their 90th I mean, percentile for that was that, that, yeah, that, that instinct was correct. Um, but also, I do think the production, the boys, the production staff said that, that all their response to this uh, split right down gender lines. Women, the women audience oh, loved yeah. it and, and the men and the men hated it. I don't know that I hated it. I just I'll t- I'll I'll reveal the episode where the moment when I was younger that the episode went from me not liking it or being bored by it to me going like this episode's completely wild. <laughs> like I it can't is believe so entertaining. It is so it entertaining. Is. And honestly, yes. It like even today in television you are probably not going to see too many women pl- being pleasured at that level at least like that that is just not something that's pretty much missing from film and television and like sex that's portrayed on tv and in movies of like women have orgasms like instantaneously from penetration alone and that's the only thing that does it 
and everyone has a great time. There's no foreplay. There's no romance whatsoever. It just happens and then it's done. And so this is a little bit different of, yes, it does just sort of happen in that the, you know, the mechanics are not uh, explicit, but like it's, I'm becoming part of you and I'm going to make you feel good. It's like not something you would have seen on television before or since, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I not so. like, not in like, just like a, not on like a, you know, basic cable or syndicated show. All right. Great scenes. Basically, this is not a single scene, but the idea okay. that a 34 year old man has been running through the Howard family matriarchal line for 800 years is fucking incredible. Like pleasing women going back that long. That is really quite an accomplishment and he should be very <laughs> proud of himself. Like they should really consider Yes, it turns out he killed some people and is, at the end of the day, kind of an evil guy. Maybe, may, I'm not, maybe a statue or at least like a plaque somewhere in Scotland for this guy. Well, by by any stretch of the imagination. At least a folk song. <laughs> oh, that would be awesome. A folk <laughs> song would make a lot of sense. But uh, to spoil the end of the episode, if you want to avoid that, skip ahead 30 seconds. You know, Dr. Crusher phasers him and destroys him at the end. That's a, that's a life form, right? We don't have it's just we don't know what kind <laughs> of life form, but it's it's maybe unique um, and it's parasitic, but it doesn't seem we don't get the sense that it's like destroying the body. Right. But it is making the person addicted to them, essentially, um, like Dr. Crusher yeah. has control symptoms. Uh, I, and, I and it's inferred. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. It's kind of inferred that he banged this hundred year old woman to death. Oh, oh, like I didn't the, pick up on that. Yeah, because okay. Mr. What's his name? Quint. Ned Quint. Yes. Is like, uh, yeah, he says it. You know, oh, it's the death of every Howard woman or something, or like the undoing of every Howard woman. <laughs> oh <my> <laughs> and I was like, well, she lived to be a hundred. I don't know about all that. Like, you know, but. It is like at least in his his eyes, and then the way they uh, explain away why Doctor Crusher has never encountered this person before. Am I correct in that? It's most of the Howard women have had green eyes, and she and her mom had blue eyes. Yeah, the green eyes come when you are possessed by the ghost. Okay, and so I guess the ghost. So her mom died before she before could get be possessed. That's a taste. Okay. <laughs> taste of this man ghost that's it okay <laughs> um i guess we didn't really talk about this ronan uh are you picking up what is what he's putting down as a as a cis woman no well no? he's supposed to be like 34 and he looks older than me so i don't think i'm gonna i i'm not gonna quit my job and move to the scottish highland fake village for him if that's Do what you you're asking do you find that, you know, older TV, older media that it, you run into that a lot? Like looking at who are our ages, like back in the past. Yes. Someone did a, a breakdown yes. of the cast of Cheers and all their ages. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I think what like is- um, Norm and Cliff are younger than I am now yeah. at the beginning of Cheers, like by a few years at least. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm going to need to we need to make a point i think we kind of did but we need to make another point here gates mcfadden looks absolutely stunningly beautiful in this episode yeah her hair is like on point in like every single scene yeah even when she's getting 
th- like thrashed around <laughs> when she's in the when the, she's in the storm. It's looking great. Yeah, the hair and makeup people because there there's a lot of wind blowing and we have like a thunderstorm and then of course the orgasms and her hair looks fucking amazing. One thing about Crusher's journey, the the character's journey through the next generation is they wouldn't always give her much to do, but each season she did get, like they made her, maybe it's just Gates McFadden too, like aging like very beautifully. Like she just got hotter every season. And season seven, they're like, oh, you're super hot. (laughs) (laughs) I have several great, great scenes. And by the way, they're not like great, great, but they are entertaining. Um, so there's a point in the be- after um, Beverly discovers her grandma, her hundred year old grandmother's smut diary, <laughs> that she is put in painstaking detail her sexual encounters with Ronan. Beverly reads this and she goes to bed, and then like the ghost is like undressing her, and you see like some sleight of hand, like some practical effects of like her nightgown being pulled down, and then she wakes up. And she's, <laughs> and then she like tells Deanna Troy all about it. And I have this in the best line, so I'm not going to spoil it now. And I'm like, whoa. <laughs> you just confessed so much. Yes, that scene is my first great scene where Crusher and Troy, sw- she tells her about the sexy dream. But can I tell you, I almost said, can we just re- reenact that scene? Because... <laughs> That scene, every almost every line in that scene is incredible. Oh, the one she tells Troy. Troy, yes, this scene you're talking about. Yeah, (laughs) like we could just. That's what I'm saying. Like instead of just great lines, it's like that whole scene is is just. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't write down the whole dialogue, but I wrote down the part that I found not just a great line, but like the reading of it. And this is also not how women talk to each other, by the way, about their sexual experiences or dreams. Okay. I, but we'll get to I, that part yeah. later. <laughs> you go next. And I have a few more. <laughs> the, my next, yeah, I have four total. That's one of them. But then the next one I have is, what's happening to me? When she goes back yeah. to the planet and he starts talking to her, but he can only hear her his voice. And he starts blowing her around. Well, first she walks in and there's her grandmother's favorite flowers all throughout the, 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 the cottage, yeah. which is just, weird. it is. It's, <laughs> it's like really, really like my man, you need to pull it back just a little bit. That yeah, so- is like big red flag right there. Yes, he is love bombing her. <laughs> Absolutely. The parasitic alien is going full love bomb. But she's thrashing around basically the whole cottage, knocking things over because he's like, he's making her shudder. He's making her orgasmic. Mm-hmm. So you said that you didn't write down all the lines in the scene. Well, there's a trektranscripts.com and it's just someone transcribing <laughs> all the scenes. <laughs> And, and that's why I'm like, we could just reenact this. We'll just redo the scenes. But in that scene okay. where she's going, she says like, what's happening a bunch, but why it's a great scene. It's because it's selling you why I liked it is yes. It's you're totally right. N- these aren't like necessarily great, fantastic scenes, but for what this episode is trying to sell or convey there, some of these scenes are really great. And the one where it's like, how do we get Dr. Crusher to just jump into this? What the story is about the ghost and all that stuff and, and all that. And this yeah. scene is incredible because <laughs> it's like yeah. science medicine out the window. It's 
it's good times. It's good feelings times. Yeah. So she's thrashing around going, what's happening? And he goes, don't you remember? I came to you on the Enterprise and I touched you. The transcript, the transcriber has is describing what's happening on the scene in certain parts. Um, this is why I asked online for Twitter for the actual script, because I want to know how it was written. But in any case, uh-huh. the transcriber goes, don't you remember? I came to you last night while you were asleep. No, that was a dream. I'm calling the Enterprise. And then the transcriber <clears throat> writes in parentheses, she goes weak at the knees. And then Rowan oh. says, now do you remember me? And Crusher, yes. What's what's happening to me right now? I feel so strange. I love you, Beverly, just as I loved Felisa before you. Are you Ronan? Yes, you saw me at the funeral. Parentheses. Beverly has a little orgasm. Oh, <laughs> it's in the transcription. So I just had to read oh it. boy, <laughs> just a little one. It seems like maybe it's a little bit more than a little one. It's like a weird, sexy Stations of the Cross, where it's like Beverly comes for the first time, <laughs> and that's it's what like, gets her on board. Beverly, my girl. Is this the first time you felt like that ever? Like, oh, the men in Starfleet—they need to get their shit together. I gotta—I—I I tell you what, because we got her and then Deanna Troy, like being jealous of her for just being aroused when Beverly goes down back to the village to light the candle. Or is it? Wait, does she go back on the Enterprise? Or she lights she go it on back the Enterprise. On... She goes okay. back to the Enterprise. Yeah. Beverly is literally shaking trying to light that candle yeah like she's with anticipation like she needs it so bad she is shaking she's feeling i'm like for it. yeah girl oh my god oh my god and i just wrote someone please fuck this poor woman like why <laughs> <laughs> oh my god i'm so sorry beverly crusher oh you know there's a <sighs> Like along the lines of like the single parent thing, sorry to bring it crashing back down. The episode does kind of touch on like Troy says, you know, before they realize what Ronan is, Troy is is understanding like both of them lost someone who they cared about very much. Uh-huh. So sort of in their grief, they're finding each other. If they did this episode now, they would probably play on that a little bit more. But because it would it does help sell sort of the the reality before you realize what's going on or even once you do realize what's going on, it still kind of makes, you know what I mean? Like emotional sense. But then when she's shaking in, in withdrawals, <laughs> it's like, Nope, we're doing oh something else God. right now. <laughs> yeah. Jack Crusher has been dead a long time, I guess. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yep. And she's just been um, edging with Picard this whole time. So yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh. I mean, you think they would have invented a device by then that just instantly gives women orgasms or something like, in, you know, immediately. They don't even have water showers, right? No uh, removable handle water showers. Mm. It's a sonic shower. So it's cut off. Yeah, they don't have vibrators in space, I guess. No, no. Not standard issue on Starfleet, no. apparently. But maybe Starfleet... Um, the next scene... <laughs> I was just going to say, maybe uh, Starfleet selects for, you know, prudes and, and, and vol cells. Well, apparently. <laughs> They're apparently. Like, how aroused does this person get via a, a star cluster? 
<laughs> we need, you know. Next yeah, week. and I guess this answers our questions about what goes on in the holodeck. Apparently, nothing. Um, <laughs> so my next scene doesn't come for a while, but it's Jordy and Data desecrating the grave of Nana Howard. Okay, can we say that for just a second? Because I, okay. uh, yes, uh, yes. So Picard walks in on Beverly having an orgasm is a great scene to me because she's walking in on her having an orgasm. But mm-hmm. then he goes, then he demands to speak to Ronan <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and Ronan appears. Amanda, show yes. yourself. <laughs> yeah. And he, Ronan appears. Like and, yes. And it's just basically like two guys fighting over her, but Picard knowing exactly like, Listen, bud, I've been doing this Star Trek gig for seven years. I am very well aware of what's going on here. Uh, I just liked it because it was it wasn't a puncture. It was not a puncturing of the new reality they've created. It was Picard stepping into a gothic romance. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> like the authority trying to figure out what's really going on here. Um, okay. I put the I labeled that scene a cemetery showdown, the one you're talking about. Okay, yeah. Go, go for it. Yes. <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's much longer than that, but the the specific scene of them like desecrating her grave. They use the transporter. Like, throwing open the casket. Yeah. They, they use, use the, the transport. They don't dig. They beam the coffin out of the ground. <laughs> 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 it took me a second to figure out what the fuck they were doing. I was like, what? <laughs> and also, wouldn't then like the, the ground start settling underneath? But whatever. Okay. But okay. I mean, especially since she was just buried. Right. Like the yeah. ground has not settled yet at all. So, yes, Data and Jordy are like, well, why Data and Jordy go and do that is the this alien has an anaphasic energy signature, which they've been tracking because the colony's weather system is experiencing energy disruptions. And the Enterprise has decided that in their infinite wisdom that they're going to use a power transfer beam from the ship, send it down to the power substations on the planet to to basically smooth out the energy process until they can fix the problem because the energy is too sporadic and it's causing these weather backups, which leads to there being fog on the bridge of the Enterprise, which wasn't a great scene. It was just like a funny consequence Mm -hmm. of their dumb idea because that's stepping on the tropes in a little bit because what did you think was going to (laughs) happen? And 10 forward was below zero. Yes, and then they lost gravity on one deck because Ronan is affecting the weather. Um, but so you've got the weather thing going on and they trace this energy signature, another source, and it's in the cemetery and they find out it's in the, in the, in the dead grandma, uh, who never gets called Nan. If this was really Scotland, someone would call her Nan. Oh, they would have called her Gran, my Gran. Why, why? Yeah. Or yeah. And so it was a little weird, but anyway, um, Kristen, do you want to keep going with how they desecrate the body? You know, we might as well. I don't see where else it goes. Um, So they, okay, first of all, they ask for permission to exhume the body. And Beverly and Ronan say no. And then Picard's like, we'll just ask the governor who cares. And they do it anyway. They open it up and then uh, Ronan, I guess, goes into the, into Nana. And then like she becomes alive again. And it is so corny. Oh my God. So corny. (laughs) And then, like, Beverly's like, oh, no, it's not really you, you know, and I don't know. It's hard for me to even explain, like, so much happens. Um, 
And then Ronan just tries to convince her not to kill him. Yes, and then Ronan leaves the body, and oh, he, uh, oh, he tries to he like shocks Jordy and um, Data. Yes, as the grandmother, he like she rises up like Dracula from the coffin, and then she yeah, reaches out her hands and shocks both Data and Jordy, and they fall to the side. And then he comes out of the body while Bever or Beverly comes up to him and or the body and points the phaser and is like, that's not my grandma. Get out of her. And, and she's really, <laughs> really going for it. She's like, stop doing this. <laughs> and, and Ronan pops out of, out of the grandma. He's like, I'm sorry. I just didn't want us to end. And he explains the whole history of the candle and what he's been doing. And, um, and then she, but Oh, then she realizes what's really going on with the candle. The candle is basically mm-hmm. the anchor the anchor that's allowed him to come through time with all the yeah, finally she's like ghosts don't exist like okay well you know he seemed pretty real earlier yeah. <laughs> she's like i figured out other ways of getting off and it doesn't yeah, involve like, you anymore <laughs> you were buying that shit hunk hook line and sinker until oh it turns out he's violent <laughs> but he was only being violent to uh to keep himself alive that's it (laughs) he does he does murder ned quint he does murder groundskeeper willie he does yes yeah Um, r.i.p yep groundskeeper willie he he was struck by ned quint he couldn't (laughs) articulate what the issue was he had no evidence to back up his wild claims of of the condal and the curse of the howard women and you've got to stop him you can't believe a thing he's saying it's like, it's like, slow down. What are you talking about? It's like, I've got no time to explain. <laughs> Just going to start That's, ripping parts yeah, out of the, right. the, weather, the weather simulator. <laughs> <laughs> like, that don't make any sense. So we're, we're highlighting all those. These are four scenes. If you put them like as a tent and you put the, the, the whole rest of the story over it, like these scenes hold up the whole episode very well this is a wild premise that has some really great scenes all right let's move on (laughs) okay best trek tropes so i put jordy and data best friends trying to solve the tech mystery oh i love it oh that's great since there is one yes (laughs) um and you know sometimes that means you gotta desecrate some graves without permission And neither of them blink an eye. They're like, well, obviously we're going to do this because (laughs) there's a problem. Like we can't have the weather off. Right. And you could have done the clinical version where Jordy just looks into the ground with his visor and he can kind of see that it's there. But yeah, uh, but I like, I mean, they they, they figured out it's, it's more than the weather. Like they're like, (laughs) something is a little screwy and they don't even know about the orgasm part. (laughs) <laughs> they're like something screwy on another level and i also put troy at least starts to think something is up and weird about beverly trying to fuck her nana's lover <laughs> yeah you know at least she she's like a... i'm a little jealous and she's like eh, this is a little strange yeah and then when she leaves the enterprise when crusher resigns the next scene um you know, I didn't put that scene in there, but Picard confronting her on the transporter pad was was a good scene. In such a ridiculous episode, any tether to reality that they 
they did. I think it worked out. I mean, it's because Patrick Stewart's a great actor and Gates McFadden in this whole episode was like on our game, but like, she's not even really saying goodbye. There's no sentiment, right? She's not like, I'm leaving the ship I've served on for seven years. This person I care about a lot. He walks in. He's like, what the hell is this? Holding the resignation letter. And she just wants to get off the ship as quickly as possible. And he's like, yeah. But then the next scene is very much like, you know, this no longer meets my needs. Yeah. Goodbye. Yep. You and had she's your just chance. so determined. Yeah. Oh my God. Like we need to talk about how it is like dereliction of duty on Jean-Luc Picard's part of just like letting this woman, this super hot woman who's definitely into him, just like live around him for like seven years and not, not hit it once. And so now she's right. going to have to seek out satisfaction from ghost man. Well, I mean, I think the the tenuous reasoning for that would always be, well, Jack Crusher was either like a either a solid friend or a best friend or a good friend, so there would be something weird about that. It's not like you did it the did it the day you brought home his body. It's been like what fifteen years. I mean, isn't it it's a good a thing? Time. Isn't it a good thing that the thing that binds them is a love for a common person? Isn't that a positive? I don't know. Doesn't seem like yeah. it's betraying anything. Um, yeah but yeah uh picard picard blew it <laughs> yeah big time big time I, I i'm gonna put it as a best trek trope even though i don't i don't know but i'm gonna put it as best trek trope because it gave us the fog on the bridge which was just you know by that point in the next generation it was getting a little stale or it was stale in a lot of places so just the fact that they figured out well what can we do that's slightly entertaining and they they picked that. I'm like, all right. And it looked pretty cool. But the power transfer beam as a Trek trope mm-hmm. causing a problem. Yeah. It's always a feedback it's, loop. That's how it always happens. Like we've, I think we've already had that as a problem, and we haven't done that many episodes. Something like that, right? I thought we had a it was our power test episode. Issue. Oh, yeah, okay. That was our test episode that we did. That, yeah. If anyone's listening and wondering what that is, I guess you'll just have to keep listening, and maybe you'll find out more about it. Yeah. <laughs> Our, our bonus episode for our Patreon or whatever. Yeah, right. <laughs> Yours is better and more profitable. Mine was like, if there's a nuclear war and we can't release any more episodes, that'll be the last one. <laughs> Jesus, so. you're, yours is a bit bleak. <laughs> yeah. All right. Worst Trek tropes. Oh, boy. So um, I had the fake Scottish people. We've already touched on all these, basically. The fake Scottish people, the fake cottages to pretend to be like quaint Scottish peasants. I mean, people have been emigrating to get away from that shit for ages. Um, nobody fucking any of the women on the start on the Enterprise, apparently. Um, and then, of course, the transporter being used to exhume the body. Because, oh, <laughs> uh, God, like, a tr- like, yes, we get it. The transporter can do a lot of cool things, but does it need to do that? You guys couldn't get a fucking shovel. <laughs> you've got data I mean, right there the, he's I like guess, yeah. oh i guess I guess, yeah, I guess the groundskeeper was murdered <laughs> so he can't help we don't know where the shovels are <laughs> he was the only one who had the key and we we don't know what happened to it um all right well let's move on <laughs> you don't have Next. any worse ones no i mean i kind of straddled it with the power transfer beam um uh-huh. And then this episode just was so much not 
like a typical episode of Star Trek that it didn't fall. I'm sure it fell in the gothic romance tropes, but that's not what this grade is for. No, it isn't. It isn't. (laughs) Um, No, we'll have to do a different podcast about romance novels or something. I think I like your notion of the um, impersonal nature of the friendships. I think the idea mm-hmm. that Crusher and Troy are h- hanging out and are friends, I mean, they've done that in other episodes or whatever, but like the level of intimacy that the way that they're speaking to each other is like, it isn't how women speak to each other. I mean, I'm not a woman, so you know better it, than I It's like would. a little too matter of fact. Yes. Yes. That's how it felt mm-hmm. watching it. I'm like, okay. A little you know, too clinical, I guess is what I'll say. Yeah. They're, I mean, I mean some they're both, utility- like there's a doctor and, a, and the counselor, but still like. A little too like and they're doing it over drinks it's not even yeah it's kind of strange also the beta, like beta zoids at least previously had been presented as a more i don't know sensual i guess or or more sexually aware or awakened or non-judgmental and troy doesn't really deanna doesn't really embody that in that moment um the jealousy maybe being a part of it you know that just all felt a little too pat too neat oh, she's jealous because her friend's getting it or is having this experience um, instead of being happy for her, I guess, in a way, which would have meant once you realize there was a problem, it might have hit a little bit harder. So maybe the trope is, it's exactly what you said. They're all prudes on the Enterprise. Yeah, (laughs) unfortunately. Most of it's time quality. I'm going to put Dr. Crusher's bedspread. Oh my gosh, I think my mother even had that. Like it was, (laughs) it is... Like it's like a floral, like almost like Laura Ashley type floral bedspread. And also they put her in this fucking nightgown that is so hideous. Like she is like not an old woman, but they put her in like what looks like Nana's nightgown Absolutely. when she's like when Deanna Troy comes in and goes, Oh, are you ready for our whatever practice? And she's still in her pajamas and she's arranging the some of the flowers. Ugh. Um and She's just like in this house coat and ugly nightgown. And, yeah, I yeah. mean, I wonder, I wonder what the thinking was behind that because I'm sure. Well, women they... back then, like back in the early '90s and mid '90s, like just like normal hot women would wear an ugly nightgown to bed. That was tan or beige. Although I guess it was, it looks silk. Well, whatever. The there's, yeah, it, yeah. yeah, there's several. Then like she's in more of a, what would you like a chemise in in the when she's back in her cabin. I guess I had the look of Ronan, the 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 conception oh, of yeah. him was mm-hmm. very of the its hair. time. The hair. Yeah, I mean it was immediately like this is they're trying to ape the Fabio cover of romance novel type yeah. thing and um he, he he looked like a statue, like a <laughs> like a living statue. But I think just it yeah. felt like it was trying to capture that of the time. I think this was if this was post peak Fabio, but he was still very much in the pop culture. Yeah, but also like, like I think like in the other syndicated shows, they had men that kind of look like that too. Yes, yeah. So a very generic, stereotypical. What? Com- it's not even like in the conventionally ha- handsome way because he has a look. So it's like yeah, it's like no, it's very- like so yeah, it is absolutely like is he maybe European? Yes, but he yes. is not. Yeah. Uh, so that that's it for me. And he's fully clothed the entire time. Oh Spoilers. yeah, what a great yeah, what a great point. I maybe it's like we if have it were to today, make... we'd we'd see his his at least his butt. 
but maybe that was the exchange for the um orgasm scenes was like she'll mm. she'll wear everyone's tan. gotta be she better be wearing a house coat <laughs> She better look like she's about to and, open the door and get and the paper better from be the porch. Fully clothed with a with a vest and a overcoat the entire time. <laughs> he better not remove a single shoe. All right, the line must be drawn here. Great lines, and I feel like half the oh script I could just quote. <laughs> I can't believe how quotable this episode is. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> I already talked about Mister Quint a little. I'll not be responsible for what happens <laughs> if ye light the candle. Um, but so Beverly is telling Jean-Luc Picard about her grandmother being a hundred years old, having a 30 some odd year old lover. And he says, it would seem that the Howard women ha- have exceptionally vigorous libidos. <laughs> and it's like, Yes. Are you going to do anything about that, <laughs> Sean Luke? Well, and then, okay. You're and totally then when she right. leaves, he, he gets like kind of sad because he's like thirties, like he's in his thirties. Like I can't compete with that. It's like, well, first of all, good news. Yes, you're real. Descri- yes. Yeah, so to describe the scene, this is after she's come back. This is after the funeral, and Picard meets with mm-hmm. her, and they're, he's walking her back to the her quarters you know just be with her to be a friend but she's, and she's, she's talk- like i had already peeked into the smut diaries yes, that's right uh, it was like jumping off the page wouldn't that be funny you open up your your grandma's <laughs> journal and the first page is like he had me bent over the table oh my god <laughs> like, my grandma off. i would not my grandma i would not be surprised i'd be surprised if she wrote it down because she was pretty secretive but like that is absolutely my grandma 100%. um she was so sadly no wanted- longer with us yeah, oh, I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> but it That's sounds okay. like she, she, had, like she had a hell of a yeah. life. <laughs> she just there's some stuff like she said, like that I'll have. I I can't say it right now, but it's yeah, pretty dirty. <laughs> like the things. Her wait a minute, like, oh, okay, I thought you're gonna be like sayings <laughs> that she passed on to you. <laughs> no, but no, <laughs> just like general like talking about stuff. Yeah. If it's uncut, you're never in a rut or something like that. <laughs> it wasn't like advice. Well, actually, okay. one time there was some advice. If I was reading between the lines, I think she was trying to tell me how she didn't fully realize that she could probably still get pregnant when she was like already divorced and like almost 50. No oh boy. And so it was not taking any kind of precautions. And then I think she had like some kind of scare and was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Like, I didn't know that could happen still. Still? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, for a couple more years, yeah, yeah, I guess I can. But so yeah, two, something like that. Yeah, two things you can tell in that scene that it was definitely written by a guy is that line, like, seems like they had a, an active, Howard women have an active libido. The actors, Ooh. then both of the actors look at each other and they do like a little smile nod, like a wry smile. And it's like, yeah. they're, the, the you know, Patrick Stewart and Gates McFadden got the script and like, how do we play this? Like, duh, what else? Like, that's all he says to that? Like, a very obvious thing or, you know, a thing you say when you're nervous. And so they kind of, like, lean into it a little bit by going like, huh. And then when he gets to the door and drops her off, Patrick Stewart turns away from the door after the door closes. And he goes, 30s. And he's like, that's it. I'm like, that's kind of a dumb punch. 
it, it's to me it should be exactly yeah. what you said he should feel like a little disappointed or she could like, have oh, how am i gonna him? compete with this young buck yeah. here or whatever it, which in reality is just dumb yeah <laughs> um, like you're the I, captain on the enterprise number one like, yeah that, we didn't even get into that if he really wanted her even with the ghost like making her addicted she's been, like <laughs> begging you like subtly hint, not even hinting Mm-mm. that she is down and you have not done a damn thing about it that's right that's right for going on 15 years <laughs> All right, what else do you have? Because I can keep, I can get into this. Okay, well, the next one is the conversation between Crusher and Deanna Troy. The sensations were very real and extremely arousing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, always you were like, I always like to talk to my girlfriends and go, well, let me just say. I was very aroused. Like that just isn't how people talk. Well, the sensations were very real. (laughs) Troy's response. I had that line too, but I bolded Troy's response. Frankly, I'm envious. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's not, (laughs) I could also picture a situation where like a 26, 28 year old dude is writing this scene. He's like, I have to be a little bit careful here about yeah. how I have them talking to each other because it can't be vulgar and it can't be idiosyncratic and I can't try to act like I know how women speak to each other. So I'll leave it at generic. <laughs> I'll basically do yeah. the AI chatbot version of an exchange between two friends talking about a sexual experience one of them had involving a book and a, a dream. scandal. Yeah, a dream. <laughs> I ran out of room because I was like, I think there's like so many things I could write down. There's so many good ones. Which other ones do you have? So in that scene, right before that moment, there's a, this is the one that I, I had to pause. I was laughing so hard because I don't think <laughs> Marina Sirtis in this particular scene had more than one or two takes to do all of her lines. Mm-hmm. So it's very flat or it's like just very obvious. She's got a smile on her face and she's just kind of feeding Gates McFadden the line to get to the next beat. And it, so it's not that interesting, but the lines themselves are not that interesting. So um, you dreamt you were in bed with someone. Not exactly. I was in bed, but there wasn't another person in my dream. It was more like a presence. You said you felt a touch, a pair of hands. They were moving across my skin like a caress. <laughs> <laughs> just the way Troy kind of blank yes. face says yes, like a Deanna. caress <laughs> like a caress <laughs> yeah so that was that was one of them and then I mean I have more but that was the first one yes please yeah. Quince, oh my god Quince uh, when, when <laughs> this is uh, Quint confronts Crusher in the cemetery no he comes to the house and and Dr. Crusher's going upstairs to look through some possessions. And this guy just barges into the cottage and he sees the candle and he blows it out. And uh, Crusher, this is before it's fully taken effect. She's like, what are you doing? And they get into a fight and he's warning her about the candle. So here's the line. He goes, think what you want. See what you want. Just do as I say. Did not light that candle or did not go to that hoose. Or before you know it, they'll be burying another Howard woman in the cemetery. The way he says, how the house, he goes, hoose. <laughs> hoose. Immediately great. And then when there's fog on the bridge, they're explaining to Picard, oh, there was a 
yeah, we, we tapped into the weather, weather station. The feedback caused our weather to get screwed up. And, and, and then Data's basically describing what the weather conditions are on the bridge. And Picard goes, fog. And then Riker says, just sort of mm. rolled in on us, sir. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's almost like the writer, it's almost like Brandon Broad going like, well, what else does fog do? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's like, how many fog machines do we have on set today? Let's go for it. It looked great though. I think it looked fantastic. And yeah. then, but then Picard, uh, ha- he has the punchline for or the blow for that scene. He goes, in the meantime, I think I'll go get my jacket. And then he turns and leaves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I feel like the dialogue in this episode is really good, to be honest. Like, it's not like award winning, but it is entertaining. Yes. And it, the, what's going on is so ridiculous that everything that they could say to either describe it or to question it, it makes them sound nuts. When they do it. But like I love the I love the way Patrick Stewart delivers the line when he walks into the transporter room after Beverly's resigned and he's he's holding the pad and he goes, Beverly, what the hell is this? Just the way he says it has stuck with me all these years. Uh, because he's really he can't he can't believe it. And it's not like the captain being confused. It's like Jean Luc being actually confused. So I just like the way he goes, What the hell is this? Okay, uh, Ronan, after they're deep into the merging, he goes, we're nearly merged now. As two candles join to form a single light, so will we flourish as one. (laughs) Come on, that's funny. Orgasm machine. (laughs) Like, I have so many questions about how this relationship would work. Like, because, like, she writes, the grandma writes in her diary how much she loves this guy, but, like, if they're like, I guess he appears to her. He appears still? to her. Yeah, because not to other people. It's not like he's going to the grocery store for her, um, you know, and, and picking up. Yeah. Things. And Picard speculates, like, go ahead, go to the governor. I bet he doesn't even know who you are. He's never seen you before. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so that was good. Uh, I have to say this line. Um, Quint said you lived in the candle. Is that true? <laughs> Crusher asks Ronan that, and then Ronan says, "Yes, if I'm away from it for too long, I begin to weaken. That's why the women in your family have always kept the candle lit." And then Crusher says, "The candle's on the ship. I'll go get it." And Ronan says, "No, I must go with you." And then Crusher, because he's an energy being, she goes, "How?" And then Ronan says, "The power transfer beam. I can travel along it." <laughs> and so it's like this gothic romance. He's speaking romantically mm-hmm. to her, and that's the power transfer beam. I can travel along. <laughs> Don't worry. It'll sort itself out. That's right. I can keep going. <laughs> yeah, no, no, go for it. All right. Picard, when he's finally confronting her towards the end, uh, you know, he wants to meet Ronan, and she's, you know, fully in it. He goes, have you changed the color of your eyes? Because they have changed from blue to green. And Crusher goes, I, I just grew tired of the other color. Don't you think it suits me? <laughs> the entire it's exchange weird, is, yeah. have you changed the color of your eyes? It's so ridiculous. That is not the moment like, that... Yeah. Ma- <laughs> something we can do, is it not? Well, so, like, that's like if you watch Star Trek, you're like, okay, I guess, yeah, it makes sense. They could just change the color of their eyes. But it's like, that's not a question you'd ever expect the captain of the Starship Enterprise to ask. Yeah. That was not the the moment that made me go, like, as a kid, go like, wow, this episode's wacky. But it was one of them. The main part was when the grandma 
when they exhume the body and then he possesses the grandma <laughs> and she sits up and shocks Data and Jordy. That was the moment I was like, what the hell is going on? Oh my God. And then she like falls back dead again. <laughs> yes, yes. Oh my God. Oh my As a God. kid, that was that so kind good. of made it all like snap into it's focus. So of like tales from the crypt, right? <laughs> yes. It's just, it's unbelievable. Okay. I'm going to finish off my great lines. This is uh, definitely a long category, but totally worth it. When Crusher is yeah. <laughs> when Cr- when Crusher is confronting him in the graveyard right before she vaporizes him. By the way, the visual effects for Ronan in the entire episode when he's the green mist, super cool. When she vaporizes him, he jumps at her with his arms outstretched, and it's a cool way he just you know, dissipates, blows up. But right before she's pointing the phaser at him. And she's explaining, like, you've done this. You've you've been with all my grandma. You're some sort of anaphasic life form. <laughs> Again, the emotion. Like, the ah, you, you got me. You got me. <laughs> ah, dang it. She's smart. She figured it out. Yes. And then I think this is in the last line. No, this is in the very last scene, which ends on a, on a decent note. But I think it starts with, Somehow he realized that one of my ancestors had a biochemistry that was compatible with this energy matrix. <laughs> That's wild. <laughs> and then should we talk about the when she's like, whatever he was, he made her very happy. Well, yeah, I did think about that. So the episode basically does not land on the side of like, this is a bad thing that's going on. Um, except it's only bad once he kills people and he tries to mm-hmm. disrupt the enterprise and all that stuff. I guess we could have put it in of its time quality was like the enterprise had to be in jeopardy somehow. But in this case, I don't mm-hmm. think, I think you actually needed it to have an ending, right? Because otherwise, yeah, what they're saying is like, no, he was, you know, they're Howard women were happy when they were with him. Yeah. It wasn't a particularly insightful episode that tried to explore narcissism. No. Or controlling it's like, yeah, it wasn't like, well, should I fuck a ghost? I don't know. I, <laughs> I'm still to this day. I'm not sure. I have a moral, uh, you know, it's a conundrum. I don't know. He's uh, never presented with the opportunity. Yeah. He's definitely amping up my serotonin. That's uh, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and now the Anton Caridian award for best performance. I, I don't, I don't know if you're going to have someone else. I'm going to have Gates McFadden. She gave a hell of a performance. Yeah. I don't know who else you could give it to. Um, I believed her. Uh, (laughs) I believed she was having a great time. Yeah. So she had to be Dr. Crusher. Then she had to be Dr. Crusher's in this throes of passion. And she, there is an element. Everyone's going for it in this episode, except for baby data and Jordy. But, um, but every, but she has to be, it's very heightened and they have to play the, it doesn't work if she doesn't literally stop being the reserved version of Dr. Crusher. She really has to kind of unleash it, you know, and she's having to like be faking an orgasm on camera that doesn't look that it doesn't look silly, but also is not pornographic. So you have to like, yeah. Stri- you know, yeah, you got Meg Ryan on one end, and you've got you know um, a porn star starting with Meg on the other, named Meg on the other end, but basically, um, and she, I think she threaded the needle, but also you had to feel when she was struggling, and yeah, any, anything, any other insight you want to lend to the uh, discussion here about? No, I yeah, it. 
I mean, yeah, she had to make it believable and not go too crazy, but it's a crazy fucking episode. So yeah, I think it's a really difficult job to do. There's a line. And kudos to Jonathan Frakes also for like directing it too. He he gave her, you know, Gates McFadden loved this episode. She thought it was the best she did, at least that season. And uh, Jonathan Frakes said she looked like a movie star in that episode. And I would agree. Yeah, she definitely gave a, yeah. a good movie star performance. She had to carry it. The Shatner. Now, this one I couldn't narrow down. So I actually put, I put you know, Mr. Quint. I put Ronan. And I also put Nana when she comes back to life in the coffin. <laughs> and well, I, think, the... I think I may have to give it to Nana. Oh, you're going Nana for going with... I well, she. So. Maybe it's Ronan having, isn't that still just Ronan then? Because it's Ronan who's doing the acting. <laughs> well, the actress who plays Nana. Yeah. yeah. So the Memory Alpha, the Star Trek uh, fan wiki online, uh, says that that actress was the prop master's drama teacher. And the prop master didn't know that until she showed up and said, laid down in the casket and was like surprised to see that. Did you do theater in high school or whatever or college? Could you imagine seeing your theater teacher yeah. just go to work one day in the coffin? Like, what? What's happening? Um, yeah, I did theater in college, but accidentally I took the wrong class. What did you think it was? Well, they said it was a history of theater and I needed it for like my humanities credit or something. And so I show up and like, oh, we forgot to change the course catalog. So it's actually, I was like, oh, we're just going to like, we're going to read King Lear and watch Hamlet on TV. And no, um, they said, this is actually like an acting theater class. And I was like, <laughs> oh no. And it was, it was, um, it was like Wednesdays at seven o'clock, it was seven to 10. And it was the only night class that was available. And so I needed, I needed to stay. I couldn't even drop it. Cause I had like, I was taking like a full load that quarter and I was like working too. So I was like, Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> we're in it now. And my friend took it with me and he was like, I can't believe you got us into this. And it was, it was rough. It was really, really, really rough. Cause I'm really bad at acting and I did not improve from that class. I can tell you that. <laughs> Um, if you had a Ned Quint there, he would have said, you will not take that class. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Memorizing monologues is so hard. Like, ugh, it was really tough. Like, I still think back that was so long ago. It was almost like, what, 15 years ago, if not longer. And I still cringe at how embarrassed I was in that class. <laughs> was, was she bad. the rapping granny in, in The Wedding Singer? Oh, I don't know. I, I'm looking her up now. I, we're not, we don't need it. It's not the point. Is not the actor. It's just like you know, Nana Felisa Felisa Howard is the character's name. But like, so that. But then now I'm looking. Ellen Albertini Dow is the actress, and I'm trying to see is she the the granny from that? And she is. So, all right, there's something there. So she really went for it as dead ghost woman, dead yeah, dead grandma possessed by dead Nana, a, a sex ghost, yeah. <laughs> sex ghost my favorite kind of ghost i have to be real yeah <laughs> if i had to pick one sex ghost is, is number one is patrick swayze peak sex ghost oh yeah for sure or what part of this are they teaching at starfleet academy well let's 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 valentine's <laughs> how to, how to give a woman an orgasm maybe but um <laughs> yes that's the valentine's hopefully. version yes <laughs> yeah um oh gosh what did i write here 
<laughs> they're teaching them there are horny ghosts out there so watch out <laughs> <laughs> sorry and phasic life forms whatever but they're out there yes, yes. and they're horny and, and watch out it turns out your medical officer <laughs> anaphasic life forms are very good at getting off human beings <laughs> yeah well it did take him like we don't know maybe he wasn't very good in the beginning but he had 800 years and it didn't seem like We're teaching it takes need... 800 years okay, to get yes. a woman off yeah but he didn't need any time with dr crusher no he had, like, he yeah. knew yeah <laughs> he had run through all the howard women he knew his way around a howard woman he saw a Starfleet officer roll up and he's like, this nerd, piece of cake. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> How would the predecessor captain show resolve or the show resolve this conflict? Yeah, so I thought about this. I'm like, wouldn't it have been, but I only finished half the thought. Wouldn't it just be funny if Dr. McCoy went to his like grandfather's funeral <laughs> on a recreation of Georgia? Like, okay. how because it, it's making me chuckle to think about it's like how deep into the recreation would they have gone with that yeah <laughs> so but i guess if you just because it's like if you do doctor for doctor the original series uh then that's that's mm. what it would basically be at um and then it, it starts do you even need that element of it for it to make sense but talking about Dr. Crusher, sorry, Dr. McCoy and like a lover and that might be a ghost. That's literally the first premise um, that the first episode of Star Trek that ever aired was called The Man Trap. And it was like the sixth episode that they actually shot, but had very few uh, visual effects. In that episode, Dr. Crusher's ex, sorry, Dr. McCoy's ex is uh, <laughs> the villain, but it's like an alien salt vampire that's taken her form. And is killing, you know, sucking the salt out of people and killing them. Um, and so that kind of actually, they already kind of actually did a version of this episode. Mm. Um, and that's what it would be. It'd be the man trap. Um, well, I said if it was Captain Kirk, he would have fucked the ghost one time and then destroyed the candle. Immediately. <laughs> he wouldn't have known what, the he would have known what any of it was first. He would have, but he would have slept with it first. Yeah. And also, I don't, I think. Captain Kirk has had an orgasm or two, and I don't think I think the novelty would have worn off very quickly if he would have even been receptive to it in the first place. Like he doesn't need the the ghost lady. Like he just go get a real one. Yeah. Also, there would have been a very slim chance that he would have been able to teach that ghost something as well. Yeah. <laughs> like I, you've been around eight hundred years, but let me tell you a thing or two. Right. He's like, you've spent so much time pleasing other people. Have you ever taken the time to let someone please you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turn the tables. Yes, that's right. That's that's the Kirk game. He's really good at it. All right. So Trek, Mary kill then for Sub Rosa, <laughs> which has been generally I can't believe we've gone almost nine minutes. On Sub Rosa. <laughs> Do not watch Listen. this episode if you're looking for Valentine's Day ideas. <laughs> So I think you should. Honestly, I think you should. Um, I mean, it depends on your relationship. I don't know. But, okay, I think I'm just going <laughs> to... This is not a good episode of television. But it is so entertaining, so I'm going to give it a trek. Yeah. it's. Is it a good episode of Star Trek? No. Is it a good episode of television? 
also no. <laughs> well, I, I go back to it was well directed. Your lead looks fantastic. Um, you know, everyone's kind of game and going for it. The visual effects are cool. Uh, there is, is it, not a dull moment. Yes, in this not, episode. that's right. There's not a dull moment, and I think it's it's not a great episode. Of no Trek, filler. It's probably you're right. It's not a great episode of television, but it's like if you take the husks of either entity and put them together, it actually works pretty well somehow. Um, it, it's not. Yeah. It's a. It's just a great viewing experience. This is one I would recommend if you're getting into Star Trek or you don't know a lot about it. This is one if you've started watching it. It shouldn't be in like your top twenty. Or whatever. If you start Mm-mm. liking the show, though, and you like the characters, this is definitely one deep on the bench to have on just randomly or whatever. Yeah. It's worth watching in that sense. And if you are in a hotel room like I was, <laughs> and just turning on a TV, and it just happens to be on, like, in syndication on Star Trek, and you're like, you might as well stay and watch it. Like, that was great. It was so entertaining. So entertaining. Absolutely. And I really do think this is the Spock's brain episode of the next generation. It's the one that all the fans uh, know as like, maybe it's a, a, it's a bad episode, which it'll be fun when we get to Spock's brain, because it's like you go and you watch this after you've been a Star Trek fan for years and years. Right. And like the first time you see it, you're new to Star Trek. So it's like, whoa, what is this? (laughs) But then you watch either years and years, you get time away. You see a lot of other stuff. You have a a whole life experiences and then you go back and revisit it. It really pops in a way. Like you said, it's entertaining. Um, So I'm going to close with this, this thought, Rene Echevarria. (laughs) He was one of the writers of next generation. He recalls, I can still reduce Brandon Braga to shutters. When I go into his office and say, I can travel on the power transfer beam. (laughs) But the cast loved it. Uh, Every woman on the lot who read it was coming up to Brandon and patting him. Ultimately, I think it was worth doing because it was campy fun and the production values were wonderful. The sets looked great and everybody threw themselves into it. Gates did a wonderful job. It just got bigger and broader into the point of grandmother leaping out of the grave. Just having Beverly basically writhing around, having an orgasm at six o'clock on family TV was great for that alone. It was worth doing. We got away with murder. Yes, that's what it feels like. <laughs> yeah. So thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with an all new episode. Also, next week is the premiere of Star Trek Picard season three. So mm-hmm. who knows? That could very well be a sequel to Sub Rosa. We don't know what's happening in Beverly. Remember that time you fucked the ghost? <laughs> Sean Luke, why must you always bring that up? I think one ghost. I was aroused. <laughs> oh my god, now I hope that happens. Oh, it won't, it won't. Uh, happy Valentine's Day, everyone. That's right. Happy Valentine's Day. Check us out at trekmarykillpod.com and on social at trekmarykpod at TMKL. 